Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Dungeon Babies. Josh and I worked very little on this, and we hope that it shows. want to take a minute and thank our sponsor today, treganlaw.com. If you are seeking legal counsel or you're in the middle of a situation that you don't know how to handle, you're not even sure if you need legal defense, but you know that you need some support, Tariqian Law is the place to go. They offer a 30-minute consultation just to assess whether you are in the right place because not every attorney is the right attorney for your situation. You really don't know until you actually sit down and speak with someone. So that's what you're here for. And one of the great things about Tariqian Law is that, you know, there's no double speak, there's no weird language, you're not signing any contracts, you're simply meeting with someone who wants to understand where you're coming from, what you're going through, and help you through it. That's the important thing to remember here, is that Tariqian Law wants to help you get to the next step. Stop sitting with the fear, stop sitting with the uncertainty, just get the advice that you need. All you need to do is visit tarigianlaw.com. That's T-O-R-I-G-I-A-N-L-A-W.com. Fill out a quick form. Someone will reach out, set up a consultation. You can have the clarity that you need to be able to decide how you need to proceed. And no matter what your case or your situation calls for, you're just going to have a little peace of mind. Again, that's T-O-R-I-G-I-A-N-L-A-W.com. Tarigianlaw. The advice you need minus the bullshit. What are we doing? Are we going to call this Dungeon Babies officially? Or is that just what we're going to go with? Why not? I mean, it's it's less about people who are babies to Dungeons and Dragons as per the original idea and more like we're talking about Dungeons and also I'm baby. <laughs> you are my little Dungeon Baby. Exactly. We're each other's little Dungeon Babies, you know? I think it's fitting. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Dungeon Babies. My name is Mathar DeLeon. I'm here with Joshua Ramsey. Yeah, I nailed that. We run a little Twitch channel called Catacomb Party. You can check that out, twitch.tv slash Catacomb Party. And we also started a home campaign together. And uh, Josh, that was kind of my introduction to the game. I'd played before, but uh, had never really undertaken like a full campaign. And you walked us through an arc as the DM from level one i think we made it to level 10 yep yes sir that's where we ended level 10 yeah we took a quote-unquote hiatus but i don't think it's ever coming I don't back think it's coming back <laughs> I, don't think it's coming I don't remember back. what was happening so <laughs> yeah it was a long time ago and we've we've moved on so uh such is the nature of dungeons and dragons but uh yeah we wanted to start this podcast to talk a little bit more about what it's like to be behind the screen and uh i guess to talk about uh from both perspectives, because we've both been players, we both are players, we're both DMs. I want to know how you make sessions, because I'm guessing you make them different than I make them. Stuff like what you look for as a player, or from your players. Mm. Things that I like and would love to hear about from you or from other people is like, how do you know when you're doing a good job? You know? <laughs> it's a tough one. I never do. <laughs> Yeah, the expectation as a DM is is a tough one. It's a tough thing to be in control. You feel like you're responsible for the fun, right? It, it really, yeah. It's like your your dad and 
the guy who has to be fun at the same time. And it's 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 rough to be like, all right, I have to enforce all the rules, tell people when to stop talking and then also force you to have fun today or you'll stop hanging out with me weekly. (laughs) Yeah, they might never come back, right? It's like this is the only reason they're here. That happens. (laughs) My ability to weave a rich tapestry of fiction is the only thing binding me to those who I call my dearest friends. My my mediocre string of loose theft of other stories. (laughs) (laughs) Appropriation of uh, other people's IP. Yeah, that's uh that's it's all that's... reflavoring is what we call it it's <laughs> <laughs> right. all that stands between me and complete loneliness so. oh man yeah so we've been making uh D content for a little while we started last about a year ago now a little over a year ago making a show called favorite terrain which uh, lives on spotify apple podcast and i mean pretty much wherever you listen you can check that out at favoredpod.com. yeah i think there's and... one season of that one out and then there'll be more one day one day there will be. We're One working day. on a season two. We've recorded a season two. We're editing a season two. We gave ourselves really we we set some high expectations. <laughs> we fucked up a little. <laughs> yeah, we did. We we set the bar really high in the first season and then got super drained and overwhelmed with season two. Again, going back to why we're doing things on Twitch now is uh oh, I got so you, much easier. <laughs> dude, well, and from my perspective, it's a lot of work to get prepped for one shot in like two weeks. Yeah, I mean, we ran that one shot on a Tuesday and then two Sundays from then. So less than two weeks, I had a completely original story ready to go. And that was, God, so much work. But it but was like when the time tight. came. Yeah. And when yeah. the time came, it was like we hit go. We hit stream, went live and show was on. And that is like proof in the pudding of what I'll get into later, which is uh, if you have the right players and, and you've kind of like set the right expectations and, and done the work to get ready for a session it isn't all on the dungeon master to to bring the fun it right. really is a matter of like having the right people in the room because i was sorely underprepared for that <laughs> session and yet it didn't feel like it because you hey, guys yeah, no, were expert role players and and brought the heat and i loved it yeah no i i mean from the player perspective on our most recent one shot which just for context it's part one of red right hand on the catacomb twitch I mean, that didn't feel for a second like you were underprepared. It it really flowed really well, which I think brings in something I'll probably want to talk about, which is just general uh, DM improv skills and your yeah. ability to bullshit your way through an encounter and make it seem like you meant for that to happen. I mean, that's 90% of it in my book. I hardly write shit anymore whenever I do a session. So. I used to write so much. I remember my first quote unquote one shot turned into a uh, four month long <laughs> campaign. Yeah. And uh, I I prepared so much. Like I was thinking of it like a video game. I had right. lines of dialogue depending on which NPC you would approach. Didn't anticipate people going off the rails at all. And all of that rookie DM stuff that which, leads to just way too much prep. But What's wild to me <laughs> as a guy who's had you as a player the fact that you didn't think people were going to go off the rails, like you of all people, were like, no, they'll say what I expect and do what I expect them to. Have you ever I played know. with you? <laughs> I haven't. <It's, laughs> of all the people from from that home campaign that you started in to then DM and be like, I don't know, I just kind of thought people would take the mission from Mr. And I walk away. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I okay, so I don't do that anymore. Right. I, <laughs> I, I don't split the party, I don't walk away, but I still throw curveballs. Uh David, oh, yeah. if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I play in a campaign with my friend David and uh it's not just you, David. I'm notorious for going <laughs> off the fucking rails. I think in this last session, he only really had one area prep because he even asked us like, so what did you guys decide to do at the end of the last session? You guys are going to this place? And I was like, yeah, that's where we were going to go. He's like, all right, cool. So I'm pretty sure he focused a lot of energy on that. And in the first five minutes, I was like, you know, do we even need to go to this place or can we just go back to the guy who gave us the job? And I could just like see a little bead of sweat or a tear running <laughs> out of his face. I was like, I'm so sorry. dude. Uh, uh, the thing that I did, had to learn for a long time as a player is that you're there to go on the adventure. You're not supposed to be trying to right. get out of the adventure. You're there to go in the adventure. And I always create characters that just need a little push. Yeah, it all kind of brings up an interesting roundabout point of, isn't it wild how you're like how you as a player changes once you started DMing and you've been on that other side. 100%. It's such a different game afterwards. I love being a player, but like I am nothing like the player I was before I was a DM. It's I think, uh, <laughs> I think players out there, like even if you have no intention of DMing long-term, try and DM once and it just changes kind of your perspective of like how to be a good player. I think every player should DM at least once, like a one shot oh, yeah. or even a side quest, like Something. within the current campaign, like those are fun, like hand off the reins on like, you know, downtime. Downtime yeah. is a great time to jump in as like a first time DM. So. Definitely. And give your DMs a chance to uh, jump in as a player for one session, you know, if, if give them an extra week or two to prep the next arc. <laughs> God damn, please. <laughs> every time, please. Yeah. <laughs> One of the reasons I wanted to continue to put out content other than just needing to like satisfy sort of this idea of making things, just having things that we make, is also that week after week after week, I prep and I don't know if I did a good job. Right. If my players tell me, hey, great sesh, that feels good. But then within a week, the doubt has crept in. I don't know if I'm doing right. a good job. I don't know if what I did was smart. And it just having someone to bounce ideas off of or having an opportunity to exercise some weirder impulses oh, in yeah. D&D prep. I think it's the perfect opportunity to hit record and just see what the fuck happens, you know? I'm a homebrew boy as far as settings and plots mm -hmm. go. I just prefer to do homebrew a lot of the time. So a lot of that falls pretty squarely on me on whether or not it, like if it's bad, it's kind of my fault in a lot of ways if there's a session that slogs a little or you can tell people aren't quite as interested in, it's hard to break out of that and get excited for the next one, you know? So like whenever people did enjoy a session, even if it wasn't a session, I was necessarily thrilled about going into it. Then like suddenly you're excited to plan all these sessions and you got like the next eight sessions planned in the next week because you're just pumped on the fact that people are into it. Right. I guess the other thing for me is, after the end of every session when they want to talk about what happened and I can't say very much. This is an opportunity to dish with a fellow DM about things that happened in the last session that I DM'd and you know what I liked about it or what I what surprised me, what I want what I learned from it. Yeah, I'm so excited about that same thing because I'm admittedly so bad at after the session keeping things. Like I shouldn't tell players everything from no. behind the screen from that session and i'm if i'm completely honest with myself i do half the time just because i'm like oh it's crazy that this you didn't happen died. you know what? like I'm, I'm not supposed to say that yeah but i just have to because it's wild to me what did or didn't happen you know 
So now you can hold on to those little nuggets and, and like, uh, we can share them right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do is every episode will potentially be, you know, a little bit of that, like rehashing some stuff. And then we're going to try to set a timer and in under an hour's time, like how yeah. good a session we can prep in an hour. Or how bad of a session can we make? Sometimes. Or how bad? Well, because I mean, that may sound like a lot of time to some people. I mean, I've read through several posts about how to do a one page prep and how to create like a one paragraph dungeon and, and don't write text, just bullet points. And like, I get all that. But still, it took me two solid weeks to like really understand the one shot module that we were going to like run yeah. the other day. And the reason I think it went so smoothly is not because I had a bunch of dialogue written down or I had evocative descriptions of every room that you walked into. I didn't, but it was more or less that I understood the space that you're in. I had spent enough time thinking and reading that like, I knew where you were going. I knew what I wanted it to look like. And so even if I didn't have a description or a bullet point for everything you decided to do, I felt like I had a fully formed idea of the world in my mind. Yeah. And I just don't see how you can do that with an hour's time. But. It's going to be rough. And I think with those quicker planned sessions, something that I love to do every now and then is purposefully kind of come in underprepared. I found some of the long lasting plot arcs of the campaign I allowed to basically happen with me finding out about them too. I love to have characters or moments or places that I have like almost nothing planned out, but I know a little bit about them and everyone can talk to them. And then I'll take like the questions that characters ask and that'll inform me of the answer. So like I, I might not have known that this guy was a cultist, but the second they start thinking he's a little culty, I'm like, sweet, he's a cultist now. And then exactly. that's like a whole new thing. I think as long as you have a pretty solid vibe of, like you were saying, the world around, knowing that it's not going to conflict with anything, that it fits within it, you can start really grabbing these things you never expected to have any sort of meaning and shoving them into these other plot points that you already had planned out from way down the line. So, And not to get too deep in the rabbit hole of things you should or shouldn't do as a DM, but just on that note, having the confidence in your ability and in your player's ability to improvise and come up with good shit. I mean, it is collaborative storytelling. And the less control you exert over the setting and over the story the more profoundly interesting and fun it will be for you as a oh, yeah. DM to play along. Also, one of the best ways to seem like you had something planned all along is ye old uh, like Schrodinger's item. If you're looking for like a mirror in a room and I ask you to roll an investigation check, it's it could be that I have like, like a drawn out map of the room behind my screen. But it could be that I'm like, we'll see. You know, if your roll's yeah. high enough, yeah, there's a mirror in the room. If it's not, then there never was. Like, uh I don't really know either, but if you roll high enough, I'm going to say that it's in there. And as long as you can do that in a convincing way where it's like, yes, you do find the mirror. you know, <laughs> like, It's this subconscious way of giving players agency. Metagaming is a real problem in Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. And if you know too much or you have too much planned as a DM, like it's hard for you to like act objectively on behalf of the players, right? Sure. And the world to let things happen. And the less that you over prep right? And overplan for every single detail, the more you allow yourself to step into the world and just discover it with them. And so like, if you have a rogue who has a really high slide of hand, you better be putting locked doors in your dungeons because your rogue right. is going to want to unlock those doors in those exactly. chests, right? And so to try to subvert their abilities is, or, or their expectations is actually kind of the opposite way to play the game. It's like you want to you want to understand what their expectations are yeah, and then definitely. surprise them, you know, yeah, with you, those things. You want to make sure that the that feat that it took you five levels to get 
they actually get to use it. It's not like, useful, oh, yeah. well, well, now, uh, you know, I can't hit them with a con save because they just automatically succeed those or whatever the thing is. No, that definitely give a con save at them now so they can feel cool. But also your beefy martial tank that has minus two to decks, maybe throw a few area of effect spells at him just to keep him on his toes. Also, there's nothing wrong with, you know, being smart against your players, Mm -hmm. but also make sure that they get to use the cool shit they have at the same time. This is a great segue. I'm hearing you talking about like how to handle a situation like that. And in a matter of 30 seconds, you threw out probably six terms that a newbie has no idea. Oh my God, I know, right? Yeah. And so I think another thing we want to try to do with this series is as we're prepping these sessions, we can also talk about what those things are. And there's a ton that I learn every time I prep a session. So just taking a moment to question our understanding of the rules and whether we want to handle a situation by rule of cool meaning like you know let's go with whatever works the best or by the rules as written you know um i think this is going to be helpful to anyone whether you're an experienced dm or a new dm probably more so for new dms but players as well and people trying to get into the game i hope that through this show you'll be able to gain kind of an understanding of the world in which this game operates and not so much the setting or the lore as much as just like the mechanical space right like the mechanics of the game can be the hardest thing to understand yeah definitely we want to show you that it's possible to like prep without having a fully encyclopedic knowledge of it from beginning to end it's okay to not know what you don't know oh yeah and it's also i mean so okay to especially to the people that are wanting to try out dming or just getting into it it's okay to have a way that you do something that's not necessarily the rules if it works for you and it's totally okay to also think that you've been doing the right rules find out oh it's actually this and then just let Uh your players know hey i was wrong so from now on we're gonna do it this way if you like that way better you know it's it it's uh you know it's a the rules are very kind of living and fluid. So you work with them where they work best for you. That's one of my favorite things about the way how like the player's handbook and the DMG or or the dungeon master's guide are written is a lot of times right in the beginning, it'll be like, Hey, here's a a book of rules that you can use at your discretion. Should you want to, Uh, no one at wizards is expecting you to follow it a hundred percent by the book. That's why there's alternate rules written in there too. And examples of how to homebrew, they want you to take it and make it your own so that it's the most fun for you and your players. So I think fundamentals are important. So if I were going, going to distill it down, Google what's on a DM screen, like what's on the back of a DM screen. Those are the core things That's that, the like, stuff that you really always matters, yeah. need at your fingertips. That's why they're there. Then you can just build on top of that. And exponentially, yeah. this is a this is a craft that is never mastered. And so it's like over time you I say never mastered because I think there's you never run out of things to learn, right? Like no, definitely. It'll evolve. By the time you think you've mastered it, the game itself will have evolved. So. <laughs> exactly. I mean uh, sixth edition is probably on its way. I'm or sure. at least five point five, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I on that same thing. I mean, I'm a, I love, um, you know, some of the more well-known or most well-known, uh, DMs and entertainment out there. Like Matt Mercer just watched an episode of critical role. And he's, he still is forgetting how things work and then looking things up and has to take reference and then is making some homebrew calls just to make sure that it stays fun. Like there's, 
that never ends, you know? And I think that that's kind of the fun part is we all kind of develop our own styles. DMing is almost like, like jazz. Like you have to learn the chord structure, but then you can start breaking the rules once you kind of have the basics and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it might be like jazz, whereas when I remember learning some jazz chords and then attempting to like noodle jazz on stage, uh, before a set or in between sets and, uh, or at a practice. And I'm sure there are people with a more concrete understanding of the fundamentals that heard that and realized like, Oh, this guy doesn't jazz. Right. <laughs> this guy doesn't know jazz. Right. Like no this jazz. guy knows jazz chords. That's about it. He doesn't yeah. understand jazz, exactly. uh, but they probably didn't fault me for like, you know, trying you know so it's like you're gonna learn some chords and you're gonna smash them together and someone might with with you know if you're playing at a table with someone who's uh dm'd before they're gonna see it and see the cracks you know in the veneer but more often than not again if you're focused not so much on like how perfect your world is how perfect your prep is or your 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 setting or your encounters and you're just focused on making sure that the, the players understand what they're supposed to do and that they are engaged and having fun they're gonna have an amazing time and your worst session can turn into one of the best if you just lean into that so, oh yeah definitely um one of my favorite just just to praise my former dm a little bit one of my favorite sessions of all time is when we were on the hunt for one of those relics that the uh, huntsman had uh left behind and we were in some uh i think caves like natural caverns and we like went down and saw that they'd been carved out and there was some like ritual space there and and rooms in a hallway and then we encountered these like uh they might have been fiends or they might have been like shadow dogs or something i can't remember what they were yeah we fought them and we killed them hellhounds were they yeah hellhounds and a couple of shadow stalkers i think yeah and so they which are brutal. I almost killed my players with some shadow stalkers the other day. Um, they, we killed them and they like spread ash all over the room and my character didn't want to sleep in like a dirty space. And so I rolled an investigation check looking for, specifically said I'm looking for like a broom. And you're like, all right, roll, roll a sweep check. And I said, I want something to sweep with. I rolled a nat 20 and you gave me a broom and that broom had sentience. And like, I asked if I could make it a familiar and you said, no, but it can be a pet. And it got to, uh, she didn't get to do anything on her turn in initiative, but she got to do things out of combat for me. And she got to act of her own volition and became like an NPC <laughs> PC. And uh, what did you name her? Oh, Laura Swaft Broom Raider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, that, that one, that's actually kind of one of those first like role, because I don't know. And then since you rolled so high, it ended up being this like magic. Uh, it was I explained it as kind of like the brooms from like Fantasia. You know, it was she was already walking around kind of sweeping and it's cool because now i get to role play a broom so there'd mm-hmm. constantly be like in a situation she was kind of skittish she wouldn't want to go to room so i'd be like all right you look over at lauren she's like <laughs> and that was always fun to do but also i i was able to level her with you a little bit i think at a, at one point uh you were able to like cast fly on laura and then use the broom to yeah. fly around and little things like that it was just mm-hmm. uh it was cool because the broom got a got stronger as you went to and that shouldn't have ever happened. And that's not something I like meticulously planned as a homebrew item. I didn't like drop really intense stats before I gave that to you. I did more after the fact a little bit, but it was just like, yeah, you get a magic broom now. And that's cool. What do you think is the hardest thing? Like 
every time like the one thing that you run into that is like the hardest when prepping <laughs> when prepping um man so i think the hardest part of prepping for me is breaking out of the like kind of overall plot and trying to figure out like okay but what actually happens today because i i love to just like go down my rabbit holes of oh and then this connects yeah. to this and this means this and i'm like thinking about this big picture but it's like yeah but today they're gonna make it through three rooms tops so like what's in those three rooms it's hard for me to like stop and focus in on those and once i do those sessions usually come together but as far as prep goes uh getting myself to stop you know building out a town that they're not going to get to for three months you know like and actually just focus on where we're at and making that interesting um that's always my biggest challenge i think focus is really hard i i run into some same problems i wouldn't say it's my hardest thing uh like my biggest challenge but it is definitely something i've experienced where um uh, okay so i I'm like, okay, I need an encounter. I know there's an encounter today. We didn't have any combat last session. So like, there's definitely got to be combat this session because they just leveled up and they really want to use all their new abilities. And so needing to prep, not just a very basic run of the mill right, encounter, but really right. spend time on an encounter, that's my weak spot. And I lose focus uh, from time to time because then I'll start like thinking about like, Oh, could I build a homebrew monster? And like then getting in there and spending a lot of time and like, does this monster need a mini? Maybe I'll go build one on Hero Forge. And so I'll spend an inordinate amount of time like building out details that like in the end didn't really like, matter. I've literally done this. <laughs> I've spent so much time like writing a stat block and then building a mini. And then I forgot to export the mini. So I didn't even have a token. So then I opened up like the board and realized I hadn't dropped their tokens or like my oh mini my tokens yeah. so, like <laughs> on there. I'm like, fuck, I got so sucked into like making this baddie that I didn't even remember that I got to set up the fucking board. Right. Like, right, right. and then that's embarrassing because you need like, you know, five extra minutes to get it going with that. I mean, one thing that, that I kind of struggle with when making encounters is, um, and I've gotten a lot better at it, but I remember, especially in the beginning, uh, while you're making the fight or the encounter thinking about like, all right. And then, you know, obviously the characters will hide behind this cover and the monster will do this and like planning out how the fight's going to go. Cause it never actually goes that way. Right. So I think it's more just like setting up. I think every combat's less involved in what they're fighting and more where they're fighting it. That's, that's the way how I honestly believe it. Um, I think you're going to have more fun fighting a bunch of giant rats, which aren't that fun to fight in a treetop where they're trying to drag you out of the tree and plummet you to your death, then you will fighting three really like three succubuses that are really interesting and can teleport. And it's all this crazy shit in a square room. You know, I think, uh, yeah, terrain comes into the heaviest play in combat. And it took me forever to start thinking about that. I had this huge tendency in the beginning, whenever it came to combat to just, all right, I'm going to throw a, one big hard thing at them. And hitting the same guy over and over and having him hit you over and over is not a fun fight. So not being afraid to bring in those like lower challenge rating or for people who maybe aren't as well versed in like the D&D lingo and everything, just the, the more baby bitch enemies, you know, <laughs> yeah. totally use them like uh, an imp might not be hard, but in a fight where there's one big bad and three imps, that imp can be the difference between life and death for your party. And I think uh, that that that's really fun is starting to figure out how to use those little guys that are just oh, kind yeah. of an annoyance until they're not. And so they're that killing glow, you know, so also I'm, I, I don't want to kill my party, but I want them to think they might die. 
<laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, stakes, oh, that's a whole episode in and of itself. Talking about what creates stakes in a game is uh, such a delicate dance. But, I might change um, my answer. I think getting the right balance of difficult but not impossible is the hardest part about prep because I never know. I never know going into an encounter. Are they just going to plow through this? I um, In my current campaign that I run at home, uh, they're going through like kind of a three tiered gauntlet where they're in different terrain each time and they're fighting mm-hmm. an elemental and two kind of uh, henchmen of and it changes. You know, they they were fought an earth elemental in like a like a hedge maze and he had like two um, satyrs and then they're fighting a water elemental and there's two water weirds in this lake and the earth elemental almost bodied them. They they almost a TPK, honestly. And then the water elemental, they just walked straight through that encounter without a problem and it's like those yeah. were identical challenge rating encounters but you the can't always trust yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Like you can't always trust that so it's it's so hard to find that balance and then you know do i if they're going too fast do i add more health because now it's that's not really more fun that's just more tedious do i up the hit points do i fudge the dice on the rolls it's all it's all such a balance and there's so many different schools of thought on it but man it's it's fun it's fun to figure Dude. out so next week we're going to actually prep a session we'll do that yeah. for real this is just the first sort of uh, introductory what the hell is this episode but uh next week i really want to prep a session and uh i had some ideas on like i guess some essentials i think of these as sort of like at least starting out a one shot has to me i guess the connotation that it's um it might be multiple sessions right it might yeah. be a one shot is a fully encompassed story Whereas like with this week to week podcast, maybe we're not doing that. We're strictly focusing on like, how do we get better at prepping quickly? How do we think outside the box? I guess for us, uh, like just as a disclaimer, we are both in the scheme of things and the, you know, we play Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition and over the lifetime of this game, we are babies. We're super, super duper new to running a game, producing or writing like original content we just need a way to cut our teeth and break some bad habits. And so the full disclaimer for me is that when I prep a session, I likely will not spend only an hour on it. I, I probably spend more time conceptualizing things. But when it comes down to it, if I know I can prep a good, good session in an hour, then I always know that my sessions are going to be good. And if I have more time to put in it, I will. But if I only have an hour, I want to be able to make the best possible session that I can. Definitely. I mean, how many times have uh you got into the situation where it's like a busy week and then you go, oh, oh, shit, D&D's tonight. tonight, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if yeah. you're, if you know you can do a good session, but it takes you three days to prep, I mean, you're, you're not in a good spot right there, but like, this is, stressed. If, if you have this exercise down of like, all right, it might not be the session I had in mind, but I can put out a session that's going to be engaging. It's going to be fun and it's going to push the narrative forward in some sort of a way. Or even if it doesn't necessarily push the overall narrative, because like we're doing here, it's more of a one shot, a single quest, a side quest. It's going to be something that's interesting that has those moments that you could then once the session was done, grab each string and kind of pull it in and tie it to the overall narrative. That's exactly that's something I've tried to get better at over the years. And I hope I'm OK at it, but I don't know. It's terrifying every time. Well, and think about it this way too. If you can prep a session in an hour and you have four hours to kill and you don't have a session that day, you can prep four sessions. And then based on like, if you hit a spot where there's a lull and you need a side quest or something like that, you can just pull from your your library of 
ideas. And you're welcome to steal any of the ideas we throw out on this podcast. I, I think that's the intention for me. I hope people use these. Um, I know I'm gonna. So uh, little shout out to the Bad Mama Jamas, my party at home. Um, if you're listening, I will throw out a spoiler warning sometimes and be like, hey, Bad Mama Jamas, stop listening because this is for you later, I think. So, um, but I plan on using these. I hope you do. I hope other people do out oh, there listening. Sure. Yeah. And I hope people hit us with suggestions. So if you are listening to this show and uh, you become a fan and you want to stick around and you want to throw things at us, I mean, we will take suggestions because, I mean, I think in the beginning we're going to be finding our you know, it's sea legs a little bit. We're going to be finding our feet with not so much prep, but like figuring out like, like I imagine the first few might be unsuccessful in terms of like, was well, that a session? Like <laughs> right. we're going to hit the timer and we're going to do it. Most of what I do is a little unsuccessful. So. Yeah. Yeah. So like the first few times we do it, it might be really, really bad. But once we kind of hit our stride, um, I will be looking to the community for ideas that not just to like make it easier, but that throw a wrench specifically. I want you guys to give us ideas that are like, Hey, try to create a session in which they have to run a restaurant like a Gordon Ramsay right. style, like, like oh dinner in order to get close. You know what I mean? Just yeah. like any fucking uh, wild idea that <laughs> you can, yeah, exactly. That you can throw out that we could build like a side quest around. Like I'm down because that challenge is what's going to help strengthen and fortify that confidence that you need to come to the table. Every week. Cause you never know whenever your party's not going to end their, current session where you think they are and now whatever you had planned next week is gone and you have to come mm-hmm. up with something new fast maybe they ended the session opening a restaurant and you had no clue that was going to happen so yeah i'd like to know that i can't put this happen. together <laughs> I, I don't put it past a single one of these motherfuckers man <laughs> all right so the focus right now i think for me is i'm thinking of these as side quests that can be dropped into a current campaign like any of these are things that i could drop on, on my players I, I see us rolling things from randomized tables, you know, oh, like yeah. in between these, I might like roll up a D20 table for like NPC in, you know, interesting NPCs or, you know, little story hooks or things like that. Um, because those are going to be the essentials I think. And you can add to this if you want, but I think a, a good story hook or multiple story hooks is essential for a side quest. Cause you got to get them into the story. Oh, and yeah. if you don't give a good enough, a compelling enough story hook, they're not even going to notice that it's there, you know, simple, like you said, but evocative setting right? Like don't overdo the setting. Just keep it really simple. Two or three rooms that have like, you know, uh, an evocative sort of description is better than like a fully fledged city, you know? Right. Exactly. And if they are going to a city, just describe the town square, right? Like just that's it. They can totally branch off from there. Um, interesting NPCs uh, are always essential. That's the, that's the bread and butter right there of any good session. So, and, and be warned. If you make them really interesting, they're going to want to keep them. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Um, or they might want to kill them, depending on how diabolical we, make them. We had an NPC in our game that uh, was completely unplanned. That never wrote this guy into anything. I had all these NPCs that I thought were really interesting in a city. And then they just said, all right, we'll get to that house when we get there. And then they just knocked on a random door, basically. And I had to make up a guy. And this guy ended up being... It, just from roles and me like are doing the yes and improv stuff like this uh this super famous singer that everybody thought was dead and that half the party were huge fans of back in, yeah. back when and it got to the point where one of our party members ended up getting kidnapped like in, a, in the next session and somebody actually played this guy like that that was their temporary character until 
they got their character back. So it's like, yeah, NPCs, if, if they're good enough and your party likes them, they might become PCs at some point. You don't know. So totally keep true. them good. Keep them fun. Make sure, And also make sure every NPC you put in, you're prepared to have your party keep or play. Yeah. And that you've got a way to like, even if you're not good at voices, and this is what I told my friend Shelly, she's like, I don't do like character voices really well. And I said, well, you don't need character voices as well as you need to know your character's motivations. Right. right. Whenever you have a real good NPC, I think that you should make sure that whatever setting that NPC is in is one that is uh, intrinsically interesting for combat. Because as much yeah. as they might love and want to keep that NPC or end up playing that NPC, there's always a chance they're going to try and kill that NPC. Exactly. So. <laughs> Yeah, be ready for combat. To, and sometimes you might need to try to keep that NPC alive. Like I have in the back of my mind, I don't, I don't DM for murder hobos. Yeah, uh, you don't make a habit of that. I try not but to. Sometimes there is just like a suspicion, you know, in in the the party where like you've if you've done them dirty in the past, yeah. <laughs> and kind of like on edge, they're going to be looking for reasons that they should fight. And they may mistake something you say or do as an NPC oh, yeah. as a hostile act. And even if you try to talk them back, if somebody draws, you got to fucking fight. And, There's been uh, plenty of times when I, it was just a, just a guy and he had no ill will. And they just started talking amongst themselves like, ah, oh, yeah, he seems like this him. and that. I don't trust him. This is why. This is what he said. Also, did you see that cloak? It looks like that cloak that other guy had. I'm like, I don't even think about that. And then I'm like, you know what? halfway through your guys's explanation of who this guy is is way more interesting than mine because he's just a guy so yeah, yeah you let's just roll with gears. that <laughs> yeah absolutely uh and then the other thing is uh loot you gotta have some good loot there's gotta, gotta be something the there's gotta be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow man and oh, yeah. uh and it doesn't always have to be gold it could also be information right yeah loot's it not gold be... it's not treasure it's not swords every time uh, even information is tight, but I mean, there's there's so much weird shit that can be worth it for loot. The uh, yeah. point of luck, you know, the uh, answers to something about their backstory, right? You yeah. know what I mean? Like exactly. just a, a revelation of some kind, a you know, glimpse I, into their future. Yes, that's a good one. All kinds of um, stuff. A door to uh, the multiverse, you know, like yeah. another plane of existence. The ability um, to change one thing from their past. Powerful stuff. Powerful. World bending. That's like yeah. level, that's like ninth level spellcaster shit. Yeah. Uh okay. So those are like my five things. I don't know. Anything else you want to add to that list that are essentials for like prepping a successful like side quest? This is a little dumb, but before I make a session, I name it. Oh, okay. I'll add that. A well, you don't name. have to do it the same way. People don't have to do it the same way. I start with a name. That I think sounds fun, that, that I think sounds like a chapter out of a C.S. Lewis book or something. And then I just start writing from there. So I've, I've had a session called like uh, like I'll have maybe kind of have an idea of where I want to go with it. And then I'll, I'll make a name and then whatever's fun in that name, I'll roll from there and just start writing out what I think that name session is. I don't know. I do name all my encounters. So I'm looking at D&D Beyond. I have my encounters list here. I've been using the encounter builder pretty religiously now for a while because it's super helpful Man. i have one called bored to death and it was when they fought a family of boars i have one called uh owl bears bandits and snakes oh my i got one called uh gotta pay the troll toll <laughs> yes <laughs> 
I've got one that's just called The Cult of Personality. Um, I got one called uh, Mike and Ed are yours. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, my other ones aren't aren't as interesting because I kind of knew where they were going. This last one is good. Uh, snakes, but no snakes. <laughs> snakes, but no snakes. I think it's fun to like have a name for your quest. I don't know. It gives me a direction Agreed. and it makes note taking better. Yeah. Agreed. When you're prepping an exciting encounter, like maybe we won't get into this with a podcast because it's not a visual medium, but like terrain, right? Like yeah. a map. I, I think that goes back to like setting comes into play heavily when you're thinking about. Yeah, but it's easy to be like, what's the setting? A village moving on. But where is that village? Is it on yeah. a cliff face? Is it over the sea? I mean, like, exactly. what's weird about this village? What makes it worth visiting, I guess? What are the existential threats that they're facing, <laughs> exactly. you know, in yeah. addition to the uh, terrestrial ones or whatever? You know, you could easily have the same village on a forest floor or you could have it up in the trees and now automatically it's more interesting. And whenever you get to combat, now there's the fear of falling. Sometimes it's uh, it's at the foot of a volcano and there's just a magma stream that's going through that the town's built around. They know it's there. You bet your ass that if a combat happens, I'm putting it by the magma stream. Because <laughs> that's a, that's Don't a, waste a good magma stream. Exactly. That's that's terrain. That's also Never a threat. That's always a my thing. Never waste a good river of lava. The terrain should be equal threats to the monster. So next week when we come to the table, like, I don't think this works if I, we spend too much time thinking about it beforehand. I mean, obviously, no. I think in order to make a show, we need an outline. But yeah. I don't want to come in with this like fully fledged, okay, I came up with an idea for a town. And it looks like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to right. build a whole session around something that you spent hours reading about. That's not to say that you couldn't read about something cool and say, hey, I really want to prep a session inside this. What if, it has to be a curveball, I think. What if we say, you're allowed to think of some stuff, but uh, whenever we get there, all you're allowed to say is like a word or a phrase. So the session I'm thinking today is birthday party. And that's it. That's what you can bring. You can bring like game show. <laughs> I like this. We could actually put these on a randomized table and that would be we hella could. fun. So I'd we could actually that. hold dice in the middle of this. And you know, you got me thinking about something is you're like, hey, you're allowed to read about stuff, but when you come to the table, what if like we trade off where it's like one week you're the DM, yeah, and I am like hurling things at you. Like, I love it. One person coming up with an idea, and then the other person has to take point on making that session happen. And we work together, but the person whose idea it was has to basically try not to metagame it, you know, let it take exactly. the direction it does. So, like, maybe my goal between now and next week is to. Maybe here's what I'll do. I will make a table. It might only be eight, okay. right? It might yeah. just be a D8 or it might even D6. be a D6. D6 is fine. Yeah. That's like six ideas where it's just like a sentence or, or, or even less. I got other questions, but I think, you know, we can talk about, we have lots of time. We have the rest of our lives, Josh, to talk about. Oh, I signed on to three weeks tops, so. Nope. Okay, cool. Doing it forever. I already put in the paperwork. want to thank you guys for listening follow us on social media i'm at math art alien josh where can they find you yeah i'm at josh is the worst but worst is with a u like a sausage and you can find me mostly on instagram because i'm not really on anything else actively and also through catacomb party 
Slide into our DMs if you want to suggest things for the show. Shoot us an email, team at catacombparty.com. Also, look for us on twitch.tv slash catacombparty. Right now, we're streaming one-shots every other Sunday, and then in between that, we're like throwing up some character builds, and we might be doing some live art on the stream. At some point, Favorite Terrain will make a comeback, and we'll probably transition from being exclusively a podcast to also being an actual play live stream, and then at some point, there'll be a website. So... Uh, like and subscribe tell a friend about it and uh, yeah we'll see you soon or, I guess soon. I don't know what do you say we'll see you soon I, I guess we'll you, uh, I'll, I'll go and with that I've been Dungeon I've been Baby <laughs> see you next week <laughs> I think that's it <laughs> oh shit Telephone call me.